Chapter thirty seven, part one of the betrothed. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The betrothed by Alessandro Manzoni. Chapter thirty seven, part one. Scarcely had Renzo crossed the threshold of the Lazaretto and taken the way to the right to find the narrow road by which in the morning he had come out under the walls, when a few large and scattered drops began to fall, which lighting upon and rebounding from the white and parched road, stirred up a cloud of very fine dust. These soon multiplied into rain, and before he reached the by-path it poured down in torrents. Far from feeling any disquietude, Renzo luxuriated in it, and enjoyed himself in that refreshing coolness, that murmur, that general motion of the grass and leaves, shaking, dripping, revived, and glistening as they were. He drew in several deep and long breaths, and in that relenting of nature felt more freely and more vividly, as it were, that which had been wrought in his own destiny. But how far fuller and more unalloyed would have been this feeling, could he have divined what actually was beheld a few days afterwards, that that rain carried off, washed away, so to say, the contagion, that from that day forward the lazaretto, if it was not about to restore to the living all the living whom it contained, would engulf at least no others, that within one week doors and shops would be seen reopened, quarantine would scarcely be spoken of any longer, and of the pestilence only a solitary token or two remain here and there that trace which every pestilence had left behind it for some time. Our traveller then proceeded with great alacrity, without having formed any plans as to where, how, when, or whether at all, he should stop for the night, and anxious only to get forward, to reach his own village quickly, to find somebody to talk to, somebody to whom he might relate his adventures, and, above all, to set off again immediately on his way to Pasturo, in search of Agnese. His mind was quite confused by the events of the day, but from beneath all the misery, the horrors, and the dangers he recalled, one little thought always rose to the surface. I've found her, she's recovered, she's mine. And then he would give a spring which scattered a drizzling shower around, like a spaniel coming up out of the water. At other times he would content himself with rubbing his hands. And then, on he would go more cheerily than ever. With his eyes fixed upon the road, he gathered up, so to say, the thoughts he had left there in the morning and the day before as he came, and with the greatest glee, those very same which he had then most sought to banish from his mind, the doubts, the difficulty of finding her, of finding her alive, amidst so many dead and dying. And I have found her alive, he concluded. He recurred to the most critical moments, the most terrible obscurities of that day. He fancied himself with that knocker in his hand. Will she be here or not? And a reply so little encouraging. And before he had time to digest it, that crowd of mad rascals upon him, and that lazaretto, that sea, there I wished to find her, and to have found her there. 
he recalled the moment when the procession of convalescents had done passing by what a moment what bitter sorrow at not finding her and now it no longer mattered to him and that quarter for the women and there behind that cabin when he was least expecting it to hear that voice that very voice and to see her to see her standing but what then there was still that knot about the vow and drawn tighter than ever this too untied and that madness against don rodrigo that cursed canker which exasperated all his sorrows and poisoned all his joys even that rooted out so that it would be difficult to imagine a state of greater satisfaction had it not been for the uncertainty about agnese his grief for father cristoforo and the remembrance that he was still in the midst of a pestilence he arrived at sesto as evening was coming on without any token of the rain being about to stop but feeling more than ever disposed to go forward considering too the many difficulties of finding a lodging and saturated as he was with wet he would not even think of an inn the only necessity that made itself felt was a very craving appetite for success such as he had met with would have enabled him to digest something more substantial than the capuchin's little bowl of soup he looked about to see if he could discover a baker's shop quickly found one and received two loaves with the tongs and the other ceremonies we have described one he put into his pocket the other to his mouth and on he went when he passed through monza the night had completely closed in he managed however to leave the town in the direction that led to the right road but except for this qualification which to say the truth was a great compensation it may be imagined what kind of a road it was and how it was becoming worse and worse every moment sunk as were all and we must have said so elsewhere between two banks almost like the bed of a river it might then have been called if not a river at least in reality a water-course and in many places were holes and puddles from which it was difficult to recover one's shoes and sometimes one's footing but renzo extricated himself as he could without impatience without bad language and without regrets consoling himself with the thought that every step whatever it might cost him brought him further on his way that the rain would stop when god should see fit that day would come in its own time and that the journey he was meanwhile performing would then be performed indeed i may say he never even thought of this except in the moments of greatest need these were digressions the grand employment of his mind was going over the history of the melancholy years that had passed so many perplexities so many adversities so many moments in which he had been about to abandon even hope and give up everything for lost and then to oppose to these the images of so far different a future the arrival of lucia and the wedding and the setting up house and the relating to each other past vicissitudes and in short their whole life how he fared at forks of the road for some indeed there were whether his little experience together with the glimmering twilight enabled him always to find the right road or whether he always turned into it by chance i am not able to say for he himself who used to relate his history with great minuteness 
rather tediously than otherwise, and everything leads us to believe that our anonymous author had heard it from him more than once, he himself declared at this place that he remembered no more of that night than if he had spent it in bed dreaming. Certain it is, however, that towards its close he found himself on the banks of the Adda. It had never ceased raining a moment, but at a certain stage it had changed from a perfect deluge to more moderate rain, and then to a fine, silent, uniform drizzle. The lofty and rarefied clouds formed a continual but light and transparent veil, and the twilight dawn allowed Renzo to distinguish the surrounding country. Within this tract was his own village, and what he felt at the thought it is impossible to describe. I can only say that those mountains, that neighboring Resegany, the whole territory of Lecco, had become as it were his own property. He glanced too at himself, and discovered that he looked, to say the truth, somewhat of a contrast to what he felt, to what he even fancied he ought to look. His clothes shrunk up and clinging to his body, from the crown of his head to his girdle one dripping, saturated mass from his girdle to the soles of his feet, mud and splashes. The places which were free from these might themselves have been called spots and splashes. And could he have seen his whole figure in a looking-glass, with the brim of his hat unstiffened and hanging down, and his hair straight and sticking to his face, he would have considered himself a still greater beauty. As to being tired, he may have been so. But if he were, he knew nothing about it. And the freshness of the morning, added to that of the night and of his trifling bath, only inspired him with more energy, and a wish to get forward on his way more rapidly. He is at Piscati. He pursues his course along the remaining part of the road that runs by the side of the Adda, giving a melancholy glance, however, at Pescarinico. He crosses the bridge, and, through fields and lanes, shortly arrives at his friend's hospitable dwelling. He, who, only just risen, was standing in the doorway to watch the weather, raised his eyes in amazement at that strange figure, so drenched, bespattered, and, we may say, dirty, yet at the same time so lively and at ease. In his whole life he had never seen a man worse equipped and more thoroughly contented. Aha! said he, here already, and in such weather. How have things gone? She's there, said Renzo. She's there, she's there. Well? Recovered, which is better. I have to thank the Lord and the Madonna for it as long as I live. But, oh, such grand things, such wonderful things. I'll tell you all afterwards. But what a plight you are in. I'm a beauty, am I not? To say the truth, you might employ the overplus above to wash off the overplus below. But wait a minute, and I'll make you a good fire. I won't refuse it, I assure you. Where do you think it caught me, just at the gate of the lazaretto? But never mind, let the weather do its own business, and I mine. His friend then went out, and soon returned with two bundles of faggots. One he laid on the ground, the other on the hearth, and with a few embers remaining over from the evening, quickly kindled a fine blaze. Renzo, meanwhile, had taken off his hat, and giving it two or three shakes, he threw it upon the ground. 
and, not quite so easily, had also pulled off his doublet. He then threw from his breeches pocket his poniard, the sheaf of which was so wet that it seemed to have been laid in soak. This he put upon the table, saying, This too is in a pretty plight. But there's rain, there's rain, thank God. I've had some hairbreadth escapes. I'll tell you by and by. And he began rubbing his hands. Now do me another kindness, added he. That little bundle that I left upstairs, just fetch it for me, for before these clothes that I have on dry. Returning with the bundle, his friend said, I should think you must have a pretty good appetite. I fancy you haven't wanted enough to drink by the way, but something to eat. I bought two rolls yesterday towards evening, but indeed they haven't touched my lips. Leave it to me, said his friend. He then poured some water into a kettle, which he suspended upon a hook over the fire, and added, I'm going to milk. When I come back the water will be ready, and will make a good polenta. You, meanwhile, can dress yourself at your leisure. When left alone, Renzo, not without some difficulty, took off the rest of his clothes, which were almost as if glued to his skin. He then dried himself, and dressed himself anew from head to foot. His friend returned, and set himself to make the polenta, Renzo, meanwhile, sitting by in expectation. Now I feel that I'm tired, said he but it's a fine long stretch. That's nothing, however. I've so much to tell you it will take the whole day. Oh, what a state Milan's in! What one's obliged to see! What one's obliged to touch! Enough to make one loathe oneself! I dare say I wanted nothing less than the little washing I've had. And what those gentry down there would have done to me! You shall hear. But if you could see the lazaretto! It's enough to make one lose oneself in miseries. Well, well, I'll tell you all. And she's there, and you'll see her here, and she'll be my wife, and you must be a witness, and plague or no plague, we'll be merry at least for a few hours. In short, he verified what he had told his friend, that it would take all the day to relate everything. For, as it never ceased drizzling, the latter spent the whole of it under cover, partly seated by the side of his friend, partly busied over one of his wine-vats and a little cask, and in other occupations preparatory to the vintage and the dressing of the grapes, in which Renzo failed not to lend a hand. For, as he used to say, he was one of those who were sooner tired of doing nothing than of working. He could not, however, resist taking a little run up to Agnese's cottage to see once more a certain window, and there, too, to rub his hands with glee. He went and returned unobserved, and retired to rest in good time. In good time, too, he rose next morning, and finding that the rain had ceased, if settled fine weather had not yet returned, he set off quickly on his way to Pasturo. It was still early when he arrived there, for he was no less willing and in a hurry to bring matters to an end than the reader probably is. He inquired for Agnese, and heard that she was safe and well. A small cottage standing by itself was pointed out to him as the place where she was staying. He went thither and called her by name from the street. On hearing such a call, she rushed to the window. 
and while she stood with open mouth on the point of uttering i know not what sound or exclamation renzo prevented her by saying lucia's recovered i saw her the day before yesterday she sends you her love and will be here soon and beside these i've so many many things to tell you between the surprise of the apparition the joy of these tidings and the burning desire to know more about it agnese began one moment an exclamation the next a question without finishing any then forgetting the precautions she had long been accustomed to take she said i'll come and open the door for you wait the plague said renzo you've not had it i believe no not i have you yes i have you must therefore be prudent i come from milan and you shall hear that i've been up to the eyes in the midst of the contagion to be sure i've changed from head to foot but it's an abominable thing that clings to one sometimes like witchcraft and since the lord has preserved you hitherto you must take care of yourself till this infection is over for you are our mother and i want us to live together happily for as long while in compensation for the great sufferings we have undergone i at least but began agnese eh interrupted renzo there's no but that will hold i know what you mean but you shall hear you shall hear that there are no longer any buts in the way let us go into some open space where we can talk at our ease without danger and you shall hear agnese pointed out to him a garden behind the house if he would go in and seat himself on one of the two benches which he would find opposite each other she would come down directly and go and sit on the other thus it was arranged and i am sure that if the reader informed as he is of preceding events could have placed himself there as a third party to witness with his own eyes that animated conversation to hear with his own ears those descriptions questions explanations ejaculations condolences and congratulations about don rodrigo and father cristoforo and everything else and those descriptions of the future as clear and certain as those of the past i am sure i say he would have enjoyed it exceedingly and would have been the last to come away but to have this conversation upon paper in mute words written with ink and without meeting with a single new incident i fancy he would not care much for it and would rather that we should leave him to conjecture it their conclusion was that they would go to keep house altogether in the territory of bergamo where renzo had already gained a good footing as to the time they could decide nothing because it depended upon the plague and other circumstances but no sooner should the danger be over than agnese would return home to wait there for lucia or lucia would wait there for her and in the meantime renzo would often take another trip to pasturo to see his mother and to keep her acquainted with whatever might happen before taking his leave he offered money to her also saying i have them all here you see those scudi you sent i too made a vow not to touch them until the mystery was cleared up now however if you want any of them bring me a little bowl of vinegar and water and i'll throw in the fifty scudi good and glittering as you sent them no no said agnese i've more than i need still by me 
keep yours untouched, and they'll do nicely to set up house with. Renzo took his departure, with the additional consolation of having found one so dear to him safe and well. He remained the rest of that day, and for the night, at his friend's house, and on the morrow was again on his way, but in another direction, towards his adopted country. End of chapter 37, part 1